Hello, everybody, and welcome to Bears on Film. Not gay, just hairy. <laughs> True fact. Some people are mildly confused about the title. Yeah, aren't they? yeah. It's probably not the clearest title. I mean, you know, we're both super large and super hairy, but most people think that we're super gay. And as some listeners would be aware, clearly I would turn for Ryan Gosling. <laughs> I did read that review. That was. <laughs> I would turn for Michael Fassbender. Oh, yeah. I'd turn for Roger Federer. I mean, plenty. <laughs> <laughs> So what you're saying is you're not that far off. <laughs> I feel like at least one of us needs to uphold some people's perceptions of the show. So uh, anyway, I'm your host, Topher. This is my co-host, Billy. <laughs> oh, so I'm the co-host now. Uh, oh, interesting. I thought of that a few days ago. I was like, <laughs> that's going to be great. Drink. If Topher laughs at one of his own jokes. <laughs> Fuck, we're going to get messy. <laughs> Alright, so what are we talking about this week, Toph? We're talking about Molly's Game. That's right, directorial debut of Wait, Aaron Sorkin. Before we get to Molly's Game, I mentioned this to you during the week. I had a bone to pick with you about our last episode. Oh yes, okay. So at the beginning of last week, we briefly touched on Darkest Hour, which I'd seen. Which I'm not going to see because it's and period you were like, piece. period piece, not interested. Yeah. And I was like, yep, I know, whatever. I and think then, I know what you're going to say. And then I was like, Shape of Water, which yeah. you gave 10 out of 10 to. Yeah. Set in 1962. Yeah, you know what the difference is? It's good. <laughs> As opposed to a film you haven't seen. I mean, not to be racist, but British period pieces just really don't do it for me. <laughs> we are currently playing England in cricket, so dumping on the Brits is perfectly acceptable. a long way up our list of things to do. That's right. So this week we're talking about Molly's Game, which is the directorial debut of Aaron Sorkin, your mate Aaron Sorkin. My man Aaron. Uh, best known, obviously, is the writer and creator of The West Wing on NBC and the uh, writer of the feature films such as The Social Network and A Few Good Men. I saw this. Um, I saw Molly's Game at your favourite movie theatre. My favourite cinema, yeah. Yeah, which is one that I'm like, no, I'm not going. It's, it's a dump. How'd you find it's it? It's terrible. And so I went there for the first time. In, I don't know, actually on the way there I was trying to figure out how long it had been Since you'd been there Since I'd been there It had been a long time So I went in there, pretty fresh And it's a dump No, it's not <laughs> It's terrible It's not, it's the best cinema Seats are comfy I don't even, I don't even know what to tell you about Molly's Game Because I couldn't hear anything over the aircon Which sounded like the crowd at Arrowhead Stadium When the opposition is 3rd and 10 like, Well in the theatre's defence We're in like a 40 degree heatwave at the moment So can't blame them for blasting the aircon Let me see if I can try <laughs> Alright, well, let's talk about Molly's Game Let's do it Based on a true story uh, Yeah, loosely, loosely Yep, based on um, a book uh, written by Molly Called Molly's Game Called Molly's Game, that's correct um, do you, Did you know much about this true story before the no, film? No, nothing No The trailer, when I first saw the trailer for this Oh, I suppose probably the first thing I ever heard about it was Would have been that I read a story that this was going to yeah. be Sorgan's next project that would have been the first time I'd ever heard. All right, cool. Of let's Molly. get let's get to that later. Start with let's talk about the script, um, because obviously that's what Sorkin is most known for is his writing. Yep. Uh, what? How do you feel about it? Um, the script is, I think, a pretty good script. It's, if I'm yeah. judging it as an as a Aaron Sorkin, Sorkin script, script it's, weak. it's weak. Yeah. Look, I remember reading. I mean, Sorkin is great. I remember reading a review of one of his earlier films that basically said the script is well written, but it is written. And that is Sorkin. That's what you're going to get with the Sorkin film. This, I thought, was that to the next degree. The voiceover was way too heavy-handed. It was, it was for half of the film, it was basically like listening to an audiobook. I'm actually wondering how much of her voiceover was directly taken from the book as opposed to being rewritten. 
Yeah, there was I, very little emotion in it. I, yeah, I wasn't in love with the voiceover, and I, I mean, yeah, there's some, you know, you got Brian Cox's character in adaptation. Yeah, yelling, God help you if you use a voiceover. <laughs> yeah, I'm not against voiceover. No, voiceover as, can as be rule. done really well. I wasn't really on board with this one. No, and I think it is that lack of emotion, and it's very heavy-handed. Like, if we're watching Jessica Chastain look at her reflection in a window, talk about how depressed she is. We shouldn't need to have her telling us how depressed she is. We should be able to see that in the visuals of the film. And especially when you've got Jessica Chastain. And honestly, she was so underutilized in this film. I think that she's great. I think she was awesome in Pete's Dragon. I think she was awesome in Jurassic World. And <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I just love to shit though. Obviously, she's not Bryce Dallas Howard. <laughs> no, I actually think she's a tremendous actress. And in this... I did not give two shits about her because she has nothing to work with, which is such a shame. Did you feel the same way? Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't that invested. No, in Molly, there's so little emotion in the I entire say, like, screenplay. I did not care, but yeah, yeah. Which to me, it's like if you don't care about the main character in the film, that's a problem. I found that the the poker scenes, which are arguably supposed to be the most interesting part of the movie i couldn't give two craps about i kept wanting to get back to idris elba because he was the most engaging character in the film i completely agree idris is my highlight of yeah the film. he was outstanding oh one little one great little tidbit about that i just love is that idris elba's character the lawyer yeah works at gage whitney law firm yep gage whitney is who Rob Lowe's character <laughs> worked for in West Wing before he came on to the Bartlett campaign. Yeah. Gage Whitney have also popped up in two other Sorkin shows, in oh, both right. Studio 60 and the newsroom feature go. Gage Whitney. <laughs> so all the, all the little Sorkin desperados in the cinema were like, <laughs> Look, I mean, Sorkin is a master of dialogue. And when it comes to the dialogue in this film, it's really good. It's witty, it's funny, it's, it's, it's engaging. It doesn't sound like how real people talk, but that's how Sorkin yeah, writes. that's fine. Yeah. And that's fine. My problem is that there's so little dialogue in this movie because so much of it is taken up with voiceover, which could have been done in a much different way. There are a few exchanges that, that are very, very Sorkin. Yeah. And I don't mean that like, oh God, that's a tired old Sorkin thing. I mean that like, I loved it because <laughs> it was yeah. so obviously... Yeah, a Sorkin thing, and I'm like, yay, yeah. get it again. Um, but they're kind of few and far between. Yeah. And apart from, I don't know whether this was a writing issue or an editing issue, but I found the structure and the pacing of the film was off as well. You know, we had two openings for this film, basically. There were two cold opens. You start with her skiing accident, and then you, then you go to her being arrested. And both of those are kind of introductions. They're yeah. both kind of setting the scene which I could have very much done without that scene of her being arrested, just gone from the skiing straight into... I don't know. See, just... I reckon maybe I'd rather have started with her being arrested and yeah, then maybe. later on get back to... That, yeah, that's probably a better solution. How she came to I be just there. found that the structure, the way that we were jumping back and forth, which there's nothing wrong with that, that often adds interest to a film. And I've got to be honest, in this film, if it weren't for that, I probably wouldn't have been that interested. But... It wasn't exactly right, I thought. Especially because the voiceover is so heavy-handed in the poker scenes and much, much less so in the the courtroom scenes. It, it really didn't seem to flow very well together. It was almost like watching two entirely separate stories. Yeah, I'm probably... I, yeah, I don't think the poker scenes like you are, are, are all that engaging. I'm reasonably forgiving of that, though, because it's not like the sequence in Casino Royale where 
it really is particularly important to the plot. Yeah. The film is not about poker. Uh, I mean, to a certain extent it is. And we're not, but we're not that invested in anyone who's in the poker game. No, but we're not that invested in anybody in the movie. I'm not that invested in, in Molly either. You know, like to this film, I found it very, very similar structurally and everything to I, Tonya. It's at heart, it's almost kind of a sports movie, but not really about sports. It's about a girl who was brought up poorly and has, you know, like they were very, very, very similar structurally. And yet this had so much less emotion and story to it. I almost didn't know what I was supposed to care about, you know, because I didn't care about the poker stuff and I didn't particularly care about Molly getting arrested either because why should I? So we've got a first time director here. And if I'm judging Molly's game as here's somebody's directorial debut, I'm probably ticking off on it. I don't know. I'd like to talk about that a little bit. I don't um, think it's a I don't think it's a poor first effort. Look, I felt it was fine, you know, it was very safe, which I think is a shame. You know, there was no there was nothing interesting about the direction of this movie. Agreed. You know, there were, the cinematography was extremely bland. The editing was extremely bland. And I think given the amount of time Sorkin has been in Hollywood and around Hollywood productions, this is a real, real, real shame. Because he's also been on that production side of it. You know, look at Ben Affleck, who, you know, at the time most people thought was just a Hollywood pretty boy who was the bomb in Phantoms. <laughs> and he comes out of the gate, his very first movie, Gone Baby Gone, followed by The Town and then Argo. Three outstanding movies with outstanding direction. But he, for most of his career, was on the acting side. So for him to transition from that to his level of direction mm. is outstanding. And I think for Sorkin to have been doing what he's doing for as long as he have, and this be his directorial debut, I think it's pretty yeah, but weak. By the same token, he's also been around production design a long time. Would we expect him to step into being the production designer and be awesome at it? No, that's not... But directing is more all-encompassing than that, I think. We're not asking him to nail really one specific skill, you know. Yeah, but doesn't that then make it even harder because it's more all-encompassing? I mean, possibly. I don't know. You'd have to ask a director. (laughs) (laughs) I I think because directing is really, at the end of the day, about vision, about how, how clear and how strong your vision is. And given that he wrote this movie... I'm surprised he didn't have a stronger vision for it. So if you look at Sorkin's kind of recent feature scripts, they've been in the hands of Mike Nichols, David Fincher, and Danny Boyle. Yeah, very These competent are, hands. Yeah, we're not talking about people who are just good here. Yeah. And particularly Fincher and Boyle have really specific and excellent visual style. Yeah. Molly's Game does not. No. And it's you can't help but reflect on the fact that, okay, we know how good it can be. We've got the evidence. And yeah, I kind of can't help but reflect on the fact that what we're getting here is nothing really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But as I say, if it wasn't Aaron Sorkin, if someone just said to me, here's a directorial debut, I wouldn't be upset at it. No, it's not, it's not offensive to watch. Like, it's not, it's not like you're watching The Room. It's just very safe. There's just nothing interesting or really engaging about it. And I found that kind of across the board. I didn't care about the story. I didn't care about the characters. I couldn't really find much interest. I did care about who was Michael Cera playing. I thought Michael Cera was great. I loved me some George Michael Bluth in this. Yes. Um, And he was one of the few things that made the poker scenes engaging for me. Do you know who he was playing? 
I know that there is an idea who I'm not sure if we should name because we don't know. Well, I think we should name it because in her book it is named. Oh, it's is Toby it? Maguire. Okay, I didn't realize it was in yeah. the book. Yeah, which is what. So this, I actually found it interesting that in the movie they chose not to name him. I think it makes sense because otherwise you'd be too distracted. If if Michael Sarah was playing Toby Maguire, you would be going, "This is weird." It yep. would take you completely out of the movie. So I understand why they did that. But yeah, Spider-Man's a dick to people. Apparently far worse than you even see in the movie. They're, yeah, right. I read a story about uh, him dangling a $1,000 chip over Molly's head and making her bark like a seal for it. That's concerning behaviour. Yeah. You know, other celebrities mentioned in her book that don't get a show in this movie... Leo turned up to some poker games. Yep. Leonardo DiCaprio. Well, he and Toby Maguire have known each other since they were four-year-olds yeah. going to auditions. So Leo apparently wasn't a dick, which is good to hear. Uh, Thank Affleck, God, of course, because speaking of people, games. I turn four. Yeah, Leo. <laughs> <laughs> Affleck, of course, showed up at her poker games. Everyone knows he's a pretty giant poker nut. Yep. Um, yeah. So well, I'm not sure that everyone knows. Ah, uh, well. If, if, if you love if you love Affleck as much as I do again we're really not making a good case for us being straight but if you love Affleck as much as I do you know he's pretty massive into poker well so let's talk here for a second about the difference between reality and fiction obviously there has to you have to life isn't as interesting as it seems so you have to add some interest but did you know that there was never a giant skiing accident that took Molly out of skiing no. No. See, because that, to me, is a huge clinch in this film. And that's not true. That just never happened. She, she quit skiing on her own. She also never had a bad relationship with her father, like is shown in the film, which, again, is a huge plot point in this film. It's, you know, and to me, I guess, seeing this film be nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, this is when this kind of stuff really bothers me, because it might be a good screenplay. But if you're talking about an adaptation... I don't think it is really that good, you know, because I felt I had the same problem with It this year. I don't know if you've read the book of no, It by Stephen King, but I'm a huge fan of that book. And honestly, it's a much better movie. But as far as an adaptation goes, if you want a faithful one, go watch the 1990 miniseries, which might be cheesy and corny and outdated, but it's a much more faithful adaptation. Mm. I'm, I don't care that much about how, how faithful no. scripts are, to be honest. Um, and I, I mean, I have, I have no real beef with taking artistic license if if it is in service of of the story. It just then, I suppose, depends on okay, have you been? Are you selling this as this is what happened? Yes, that's where it becomes murky. Um, speaking of the the daughter father relationship, I think I, I know the scene you're going to talk about. I like Kevin Costner playing unlikable. Oh, me too. I thought he was very good because in this. I think Costner has this kind of natural smugness yeah and so i i kind of like him going down the path of kind of being a dick yeah i thought that he along with idris elba was one of the uh more likable parts of this movie yeah um but because he's unlikable but can we talk about that ice skating scene what were your thoughts when that happened when when costner turns when up, he turns up i assumed it was in her head because i'm I like i think everybody yeah because i'm like he's not well he's not there and then like, he was what <laughs> what the fuck was that what <laughs> <laughs> like i mean that was just sloppy that was such sloppy screenwriting yeah i didn't buy that no i mean that entire scene though like you know and then this is the thing when i'm talking about an adaptation i'm fine with artistic license but when in this film you're basically 
trying to pin Molly's entire life on issues with her father, which never existed. Which is very Sorkin. It is, but you trawl through Sorkin's work. I would have liked to have. What? What's the truth? Like, surely the truth is more interesting than that. Like, unless the if the truth is just hey, I wanted some money. Yeah, that's and that's it. I guess. But that, that scene, when he first popped up, I think everybody just assumed that was a hallucination. Yeah, for sure. And then she starts talking to him. Yep, yep. And I'm like, for a very long time in that conversation, I was like, is she still hallucinating? Yeah. Are we about to find out that Kevin Costner's been dead the whole time? Is this... Yeah. <laughs> Did Sorkin go the full M. Night Shyamalan? It's the switch up of Man of Steel. Yeah. <laughs> Costner's actually been dead the whole time, but he's appearing as Jor-El. Yeah. <laughs> Um, just rewinding a little bit to um, the the non-fiction screenplay, mm-hmm. it did occur to me that all of Aaron Sorkin's feature screenplays in the 21st century are, non- yeah. are non-fiction. Yeah, no, I realised that. So if you go through the, the screenplays he's done in this century, Charlie Wilson's War, The Social Network, Moneyball, Steve Jobs, Molly's Game. I mean, I wonder if that's a decision that he... He's never been a great... Fiction writer, no, because he's not about storytelling. He's not about stories. Yeah, he's not about stories. About using, as he as he often puts it, he uses dialogue as music. Yes, he is very, very much a dialogue writer. I wouldn't even call him a character writer. I would say he's a dialogue writer. Mm, I'd pull you up on that one. Would you? Yeah. Let's talk about that. See, because you're a much larger Sorkin fan than I am, so you probably know better. But I would say that Sorkin dialogue sounds like Sorkin dialogue. Very rarely does it sound like the character who's saying it. I don't find that at all. Certainly, yeah. and like, let's okay, let's just go to West Wing, which I kind of just, as we've mentioned, could pretty much yes, have on yeah. a loop. Well, at and my while we're talking about West Wing, let's talk about the fact that he did write every single episode up until when he left. He didn't have a large team of writers, so my understanding is that he was very much in control of that. Yeah, there was room. a writers' room, but they essentially helped. They him might come up do, they with might plot. do research. Yeah. They might come up with plot or something. But for almost every episode of the first four seasons, yeah, it is written by Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, which yeah. is just a staggering output, especially when you consider the first season. He was also writing Sports Night still. Oh, barely. <laughs> I will cut you. <laughs> no offense to Sport Night. Sports it, Night's it, great. Oh, it's fine. Sports Night's great. Once Look, they come to their, once they come to their senses and lose the laugh track, and that's not a slight on it. There I was going to say there are some you, good you're, sitcoms. You're out saying there. it's just a sitcom. Look, I love sitcoms, but I mean, I wouldn't say that the writing in it is especially strong. It is. It's great, and I'll kill you. Okay, all right. <laughs> we get it. <laughs> But no, okay, so getting back to what we were saying about characters, there are lines, there are things that, for instance, Rob Lowe will say in West Wing, that if if you showed me that line, I'm like, Sam Seaborn is the only person saying that. Yeah, but you've seen the show so many times that you've probably memorised the entire screenplay. I have. Yeah, so so if you saw a line, so that's not really a fair kind of No, example. no, but I'm not saying I know that Sam says that. I'm saying only Sam would say that. I find that Sorkin writes Sorkin and that's fine I love what he writes it is great but it sounds like Sorkin what about Charlie Wilson's War haven't seen it okay well that's a dud one to go to then (laughs) (laughs) okay social network Sean Sean Parker's dialogue in uh in the social network that's only coming from that character all right maybe I need to go back and rewatch it just do what I do and have Sorkin on on a loop (laughs) look so overall I guess 
this movie's fine. I like I didn't I didn't hate the fact that I watched it, but nothing in it I mean, certainly nothing in it struck me as Oscar worthy. I'm with you. And I'm gonna go out there and say this that if this wasn't a Sorkin screenplay, it would never have even been in Oscar conversation. I completely agree. I think if this was written by me, yeah. It's not getting nominated. Oh no, God no. If the exact same words are on the page, written by me, it's not getting nominated. Look, honestly, even with this cast, and the cast is Great. Like, the cast is good. Even with this cast, if this movie was not written by Sorkin, it w- like, I don't even know how long it would be in theatres for, to be honest. Because it's this is a movie that you'd watch on a plane or that you would get direct-to-video. Yeah. Like, you know... I, um, I, I don't want my money back. I'm not upset at the two hours I spent in the cinema. Look, it's a fine way to spend an evening, but so is what women want. <laughs> and, and, you know... I don't really remember. <laughs> not a good movie, but... You know, if it's on in the background, whatever. That's how I felt about this. So, sadly for me, this is a five. I'm a five. All right. Wow. That's insane. I was so sure that you were going to like this more than me just on the strength of Sorkin. Yeah. And I'm so glad that we're eye to eye. Which is weird because we're usually boring when we're eye to eye. (laughs) I don't think it's a bad movie. No, it's a perfectly average movie. And it's not the movie's fault that I can't help but judge it as an Aaron Sorkin written movie. But I can't. No, look, like, you know, it's funny. I've seen some things online, people talking about, for example, Jessica Chastain being snubbed for the Oscar, and I'm like, Jesus, that's crazy. Like, when you look at who's nominated, who are you knocking out? That's the thing. I think that uh, Best Actress is going to be the toughest um, category this year. I, I was going to say probably Supporting Actress. I think Remind both, me who's I think up for Supporting. Uh, I, I think Alison Janney has it for Supporting. So do I. I actually don't think there's a great deal of suspense in either actress or Supporting Actress. I think it's pretty well locked. Well, who do you think has actress? Uh, Frances McDormand. I think Frances McDormand has it. I think Frances McDormand has it, but if you look at that category... But we are going to talk about Oscars more closer to we it, are. so we won't go in too we deep won't, now. We won't go too deep because we will We will do kind of our, our prediction episode when we get closer to the time, probably the week before. But I think Actress is going to be the toughest category this year mm. because... Everybody up for that category is outstanding, and all those films are outstanding. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of awards, Razzie nominations did come out. Oh, this week. Did, they? did you have you seen? I haven't. No. All right. So I won't go into all the awards, but up for I'm pretty sure. Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh no, sorry. There's one you haven't. Well, I don't know that there's one you haven't seen. There's one I suspect you haven't seen. Up for worst picture. Yep. We have Baywatch. I quite liked that movie. <laughs> we have. We I have, gave that a six, so I oh liked that better than Molly's game. Because, no, aunt. but this is, you know what you're walking into. You don't walk into Baywatch well, expecting no, a masterpiece. Well, see, you a lot walk of, in a expecting lot of, The Rock and Zac Efron. A lot of people I heard said that on the strength of the trailer, they thought they were getting something a lot smarter. I than knew they got. exactly what I was getting, and, and it, I was, it was totally fine with it. It was it was totally fine. So there's Baywatch. There's the Emoji movie. There's Fifty Shades Darker, there's The Mummy, and there's Transformers The Last Night. You've seen most of them. I have. I've, I've seen, seen all of them I've except seen, for Fifty Shades. I've seen none of them. All right. You want to hear my opinion on them all? I do. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, Emoji Movie's a sack of shit. <laughs> Sorry for my language. Kids. <laughs> I, I have been pulled up movie. on that. <laughs> um, but it does have an actual shit in it. It does, yeah. It does. Voiced by Patrick Stewart, by Patrick isn't it? Stewart, yeah. Good grief. <laughs> um, the Mummy... Honestly, not as bad as you would expect. It's it's very it is a weak movie, especially when you it compare it to, to like single, Brennan Fraser's The Mummy. It did manage to single handedly sink a film franchise before it even, which started. is a real shame because that was the most interesting part of it. When I, I was expecting the movie to be terrible, I walk in the first thing they open with is the kind of build up of that dark universe, and I was like, you know what, I reckon I could get behind that. 
rest of the movie's not that great, but it's not terrible either. It's just kind of there. Yeah, I wouldn't not, watch it again. You've not convinced me. Um, and what was the last one? Transformers: The, the Last Night, that, which that is, is the, one of the which is the only Transformers film you've seen. It is the only one I've seen, <laughs> and I don't know why I even watched it. It is. It's like three and a half hours long. I think I might have messaged you this at the time. It's filmed in three different aspect ratios and edited in three different aspect ratios. So it's constantly cutting between like super wide, kind of like Going almost 4-3. Like yep. it's it's really, really weird to watch. And not just scene to scene. I'm talking about shot to shot. It changes aspects. So I'd seen, I've seen every Transformers movie up to this point. Right, yeah, because they do Because like the first one, I'll admit, I enjoy the first one, you know. I'm, I'm like I'm a tra- and I'm a Transformers kid. I'm like the exact right age, and so the first one I was just really excited about. Yeah, is and that then Marky Mark? No, he didn't come in until number four. Oh, it was Shia LaBeouf. The first three are, are LaBeouf. Oh, actual cannibal. Actual cannibal, Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. Um. So they get, in my opinion, they just get progressively worse. But they all had such good trailers. <laughs> like Age of Extinction was one was just such a good trailer. I was like, oh my god. They've sorted this out. They've got their shit together. This is going to be amazing. Is it one of those oh things, though, where the trailer shows God. you the entire movie? Nah, because there's no real plot. Oh, right. <laughs> Age of Extinction would be in the worst five films I've ever sat through. Wow. Well, definitely don't see The Last night. We should run our own Razzies. Well, that'd be easy. Here you go, Justice League. <laughs> So yeah, you've not you've not. I'm I'm, I'm not going to join you in watching Baywatch or The Mummy. I might make you watch it for the show. I suppose you could do that. I could do you that. Could do that. The day that Bears on Film ended, <laughs> right before Reindeer Games. <laughs> yeah, we're all looking forward to that one. <laughs> all right, well that's us uh, for this week. If you've got nothing better to do, go 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 watch Molly's Game. Yeah, I mean, go look, see it. Just don't expect what you're probably expecting. Well, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do that at bezonfilmmailbag at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on uh, Bez at Film Pod at Twitter or Bez on Film Podcast at Facebook or Instagram. And tell us if we should change our name. Just do it. <laughs> Although we'll tell you you're a homophobe and a piss off. But... <laughs> I'll tell you what, if we get 10 emails telling us to change our name, we'll think about it. <laughs> Seems like a lot of work, but we'll, we'll think about it. A lot of work for you. I wouldn't. I don't. Yeah, I, you don't do shit. Do <laughs> I'll make you go back to all the previous editor episodes and edit out every time we've said bets on film. <laughs> just replace it with a computer generated voice. <laughs> just Stephen Hawking saying yeah. whatever our new name is. All right, catches. Shoutouts this week go to the guys over at the Varmans Podcast. If you want to hear some awesome animal stories, then check them out. Also to our friends Paul and Wayne over in Perth at the Countdown TV and Movie Review Podcast. If you're not already listening to those guys, then you're the one who's fucked up. So do that. Hey, my name's Paul and I'm not an animal expert. I'm Donna and I'm not an animal expert either. And together we do a podcast about animals called Varmints. Every week we pick an animal, do a bunch of research on it, and bring you some interesting facts about that animal. But we don't stop there. We talk about that animal in movies, TV, and other pop culture. And we talk about whether or not that animal would make a tasty dish, and how intelligent we think it is on the scale of 1 to 10. 
It's exactly like one of those fancy PBS nature documentaries. Except with more poo jokes. New episodes go live every Thursday wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Or you can visit us at blazingcariboustudios.com. <laughs> Varmints! Varmints! <laughs> <laughs> Your guide to cinema etiquette for the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews Podcast. Tip 43. When attending the cinema with your good friends or significant other, don't assume anyone else has any interest in what you have to say. So, always remember... Whisper, fuckface. It's not rocket science. For more useful cinema etiquette, join Paul and Wayne on the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews Podcast at Podomatic on iTunes or your favorite podcast app.